Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Just has to be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Indeed, I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, joined in the studio live and in the flesh. It is storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers for 20 years and counting, plus a lot of movies that you have probably seen and friend to all the big stars, J. Todd Anderson, J. Todd. Welcome. My sincere pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good luck with all your layoffs, and I hope all your firings go really well. <laughs> Gee, what is that from? What Would movie you... could that be from? Huh? Tips a hat to the movie there, but before Maybe we do that... Maybe my partner can fill you we in. We do welcome the other half of the film guys, and he is the nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress, plus an amazing musical and movical factoid brain. He is George Willem, and George, welcome. Um, yeah. Um, That's a Jerry Lewis imitation, George. Um, Yeah, right away, yeah. (laughs) And it is on this occasion that, as we do every Friday at just about 12.30, we celebrate the most perfect of movies. And on this day, it is... Office Space Office from Space, 1999. One of our later films on the list. We were thinking about it, and it, uh, just this and The Iron Giant are the newest, right? Newest ones, yes. So it's an, if this no, movie didn't have such an effect on people, believe me, uh, we it wouldn't be on the list. But it it really does. I mean, it has anyone such impact on on everybody. Anyone who's had to work in a cubicle world or any kind of office environment, they, they can just see this film and just go, "Yes, I know all those people." Now I got to tell you, I I can't really relate to that because um, I've not I have not done my cubicle time. Uh, being a freelancer, you're, you're just kind of like hand to mouth all the time. <laughs> but oh, but there are other things in there, like you know, living in an apartment and having a goofy neighbor next <laughs> goofy door. Goofy neighbor next door. Going I can really those, relate to that. One of those restaurants, one of those theme restaurants, with the irritating tchotchkes. Uh, what a great great parody. Very nice. <laughs> Office Space, a a movie that um, I have to say I was introduced to. Now, this is one of the few movies on the perfect movie list that I actually had previously owned. And she has it, man. <laughs> I must have to borrow this one from her. One of my favorite music promoters who uh, whose opinion in music I had trust so much was just raving about this movie and was describing it to me. And I'm like... <laughs> Wasn't and that that's a, what people always do. Oh, he was crazy for it. And he was going on, and I'm like, well, aren't you talking about a cartoon? I think I saw, I mean, there was a cartoon. I saw a cartoon once, not a movie. It was based, it was based on a cartoon, actually. Based on a cartoon. It was, on a Mike Judge cartoon that I happened to see, heaven knows what night at 3 a.m. up in my uh, uh, bedroom alone eating uh, Fritos and, and watching television that I actually saw this. And so he was describing it, and I had not seen the movie, but I had seen the cartoon, and it had had... It was a short cartoon. It had to be under two minutes and had an, enough of an impact on me that I was relating it back to what he was saying. But the cartoon was so funny on the premise that they made a complete movie out of it. And, and thank heavens. Well, this guy developed this movie through that cartoon. So he has really strong bases uh, for 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 all these gags and all this stuff that everybody can relate to. He had already been through it uh, and developed it, as I said before, and now you, you come out with this gem of a movie, you know, uh, that he, he's he's kind of 
pasted together this this marvelous piece of work that'll probably be around for a long time. Well, and I think the thing about it is that as silly and crass and weird and goofy as the movie is, it has a certain verisimilitude, and I love using that okay, word. Okay, because I'm going to have to say, what does that mean? <laughs> What'd you call truth. me? <laughs> it's sort of the, the, the truth behind the. No, 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 say the word again, George. Versimilitude. Ooh. Look at that. Yeah, versa means truth, and militude. don't worry, he's not going to do that on the truth. Truth behind the character—that's what it is. Basically, I mean, yeah, the, the characters are drawn from life, and and you know, like I said, you you look at them, and you everybody knows someone like Lundberg or someone like Milton or someone like uh, like Michael Bolton, you know, <laughs> who's not yeah. who you think. But before we go too much for the gentleman, I would like to uh, point out that these movies do not come by some sort of like haphazard, unstructured method to this particular point of perfect movie, but indeed there are rules that are very stringent, very highly, highly, let's just say exclusive. And gentlemen, those rules are... Perfect music. Hit it, George. Well, they create the world they exist in. And office space wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. And as and long it, as there are offices, yes. <laughs> and likewise, because of that, this movie will never be numerically rated as one as being an, better than another office movie. A competition, if you will, to itself. Yes. And indeed, this holds up on all those accounts. Um, office space appeals to us all in the notion of how we have to go through our lives and deal with people. And I have to say that Mike Judge has beautifully painted the uh, the palette of, of possible office workers, and you're right, George. In fact, right now, a lot of people are probably sitting in their cubicles, supposed <laughs> to be working, and listening to Politically Perfect. <laughs> we like you guys, and uh, we salute this movie because of you. <laughs> That's right, while their, while their boss is asking for their TSP report. <laughs> TPS. No, and right now you smirk. I see you're smirking. Your boss is walking by, and you're listening to us. Uh, did you get the memo? We're all using new cover sheets on the TPS. And I love the way they beat that thing until it bleeds. <laughs> because that's the the sort of the mundane drone aspect that uh, permeates a lot of office culture. So certainly, Mike Judge really hit the nail on the head with this, and something that we can all resonate with. Um, now, I work in radio, so of course uh, these personalities are more like, speaking of Stephen Root, uh, news radio. However, before we get to that, uh, the, the cartoon was sort of based on the, uh, the character that Stephen Root plays here, and it's the Milton character, but there's, they've wrapped it in more. And uh, if, George Willeman, you could uh, give us a little overview of the action in this movie. Well, basically the story surrounds um, this guy named Peter Gibbons who works at this uh, kind of nebulous company called Inatech. Inatech, uh, I love it. Right, who, who if I remember correctly, um, their, their big symbol out in front of their office is a, a square peg in a round hole, <laughs> if I remember. But um, Good eye. He, he's, really, he's really distraught with his job because it's just mindless, and, and he, you know, he can't get his bosses to explain anything to him, and he's feeling really stressed. So his girlfriend takes him to this psychiatrist who, who begins to hypnotize him so that he doesn't worry about his job, but the, the psychiatrist has a, a massive heart attack and dies. Which is before, a great, great scene. Before he can bring great Peter scene, out of yeah. this, this thing. So he's kind of left in this sort of I-don't-care-anymore world and decides just, you know, he doesn't care about his job anymore. He just goes in and kind of wanders from day to day. But he so impresses the, um, 
the two uh, efficiency experts who come in. Which everyone that, had alerted him to that, that basically you're going to be called in to interview for your own, for your own job. job. Now, I myself have been uh, in the middle of a time efficiency guy because when I worked in college, when the time efficiency guy came in, you thought that the guy that wielded the axe to kill everybody was there because he was not the person nobody wanted to be friends with. Mr. Time and Efficiency used to have a little wheel with measurements and stuff so you could figure out how far you're walking. Yikes. That's no doubt what these guys are, time and efficiency. So it's some, we don't even really find out the nature of the business that they do, right? It's never really revealed what Inatech does. Yeah. But it's just it just grinds out paperwork basically. But (laughs) as as a result of the of the efficiency experts, his Peter's two good friends, uh, Michael Bolton. And uh, and Samir Nagina Nanajar, <laughs> yeah, who complains that no one can pronounce his name, but it's, it's pronounced just like it's spelled. And uh, they get they get canned. But um, but Michael Bolton is a computer geek, and he had come up with this program basically to to create a, a false bank account and take all the half half and quarter pennies. Right, the interest. And of, about the time he says that, you're thinking. Hmm, that was in another movie. It was Superman with Eddie three, Murphy. and then he goes Superman boom, three, Superman yeah. three. Right when you're thinking that was in another movie, Superman three, and they they jump right on top of that just as you're thinking. So, about so they it. borrow and then not. Right. Well, they think this is going to work out really great because it's just it's just you know tenths of a penny. Just you know it's, they're going to be able to like pull this money out in little tiny increments, and no one will ever know, and everything will be fine. But uh, Michael Bolton puts his program into play, and on the first day, they pull out like $178,000. <laughs> so they have to figure out a way to get the money back into Inatech without getting caught. And that's when, basically, uh, Peter comes up with this idea of he's going to quit the company because you know he's had it with them, but he makes out these traveler's checks and <laughs> slips them under his boss's door. But the one character with a with a letter, I think, the with confessing. a letter explaining what had happened. Yeah. And, but what? But this one character, the, the original character of Milton, who's played by Stephen Root, and it's just one of his most brilliant performances, is this little kind and of Stephen Root, who does the voice of one of the characters on King of the Hill, which is so, a very yeah. notable, and and also was my all-time favorite boss, Barnon on News Radio, radio. Uh, Jimmy, James. Jimmy James. So just a really gifted character and, actor. Uh, also, he's going to be in about. Five movies that will come out within the next year and a half. I mean, I, I know of three movies that I worked with him with in just the last year. And let me guess, Stephen Root's on this picture, and there he was. You know, <laughs> Weatherhead, Stephen Root. Good, uh, I'm glad. West to Texas see- Children's Story, Stephen Root. Uh, He's one of those really great character actors, like the the great character actors of yore, who just they kind of put him in there, and he fits in anything. No Country for Old Men, Stephen Root, uh, and he, he plays a sheriff. Uh, he plays a football coach. Uh, he plays uh, he plays an instigator of how to kill people through white collar crime in a movie coming out. This man is a very flexible actor. And in actor. this movie, he plays a, a savant. He's like this sort of mealy mouth, sniveling, yeah. whiny. We're talking about Stephen Root here, folks. <laughs> Love him. But, he, but throughout the movie, you know, they they push him around and they actually fire him without telling him. <laughs> and, and sort of consign him to the basement where they put him in the closet and turn the lights out on him. But but several times you hear him mutter under his breath that he's going to burn the building down. <laughs> you have to listen closely because he's definitely muttering, mumbling, yeah. He's oh, also yeah. in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, folks. Yeah, he's a blind, oh, blind record right, producer. Oh, that's right, the blind record producer at the radio station. Gotta love that radio Amazing connection. Actor. <laughs> Steven, if you're listening to this, buddy, we worship you. <laughs> we worship you. Yes. But basically, and I think you need to bring up the old spoiler alert here. Because oh, no! Watch out, folks. Here it comes. Basically. 
Oh, here you go. There it is. <laughs> Basically, um, Milton Milton is so upset that that uh, his boss Lundberg, who is also brilliantly played by Gary Cole, uh, has taken away his bright red swing line stapler. Which and of all the other horrible atrocities he has suffered, this is yes, the most he egregious. Wants- because he doesn't like the boss stitch stapler, he likes the swing line, yeah. and, and like the so, bone, like the bone in two thousand one Space Odyssey, it, it appears in the fire. So he breaks, <laughs> so he breaks into Lundberg's office, and and to get his stapler basically, and then the next thing, the next thing you know, the building's burning down. And, it's almost um, like we should play the spoiler alert. Oh my god, twice. I do it again! It's I just, just love that. There's more alert. to it. There's so much more to it. So he breaks in, and oh. Yes, and where are you going to find a radio show that compares the bone flying through the air in 2001 Space Odyssey with a staple? Now, those of you who have bones to pick, art, 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 joke. Yeah. We'll hear from you the next time we have a call-in show. Yeah, please but, do. Man, this is, this is a film for the ages, and we think it compares admirably, but not numerically, to 2001 Space Odyssey. But this film, after its release in the theaters, has had so much business on, on DVD and also... The most amazing thing is that red stapler. Um, yeah. After this movie came out, the company Swingline, who's made staplers since like the Roman times, <laughs> um, was like inundated with people wanting these red staplers, like, and they no, didn't we don't make, make a red stapler. Sorry. Well, they do now. Boy. And it is tied into office space. <laughs> yeah, it's, that, that, that goes to rule number three. But anyway, yeah. I, I wonder if Swingline was even consulted, you know, because I don't know when they had to start clearing everything. But I remember way back on Raising Arizona, they used Huggies, and I don't think the company was consulted. Um, and I wonder, always every time I see this, I wonder. It looks like a Swingline commercial. You know, yeah. there's no accident in their commercials looking like this movie. Uh huh. So there, so he had his 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 uh, swing line red stapler taken, and that was it. That was the last straw. So he burns down the building. <laughs> they all come to look at this, and they realize that their problems are solved because they know that the, the money orders and the, the note were all burned up with it. But then as a little coda, we see Milton down in the South Seas <laughs> complaining that there's, like, something wrong with his drink and that he'll In that his, sniveling way. Sniveling, he says, well, I now take my, my money orders somewhere else. You know, so he doesn't, he doesn't, Can he say something about burning made, the island down, too? Something like that. Something like burning the hotel down. So we learn that he actually took the letter and took the letter the, and the money. Yeah, so he's yeah. not as stupid as he looks. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, in rule number three, um, regardless of changes in society, meaning and entertainment values, uh, the only thing that really slows this picture down is the fact that it has the Y2K element in there. Right. The two digits, you know, that everybody was alarmed about a few years back. And uh, the old computer graphics, which seem to just change by the day. Right. And the fact that Jennifer Aniston uh, really does get played over and over again, and she's everywhere you turn to in the uh, supermarket tab. Now, and, but at the time, this was a, something of a like stretch right for her. But I am yeah. accusing, yeah. That's, the only, that's the only little flaws I see in slowing this movie down for timeless stuff because, you know, Jennifer Aniston, we didn't realize that Office Space was going to become Jennifer Aniston everywhere you turn. <laughs> Who knew? Well, actually, <laughs> as far as the Y2K thing, is if you remember when they changed the beginning of... Um, of uh, uh, Daylight Savings Time this year, they were, they were afraid they were going to have the same thing all over again because all the computers were set to change to daylight savings time on a certain day, and now they had to move it up several weeks. 
They weren't sure what the computers were going to do. They had people standing by thinking society was going to crumble. But anyway, perhaps makes, the only dating factor yeah, is that they make mention a couple of times to the Y2K. My, I'm always wondering, like 20 years from now, like when we're talking about movies that were made in the 40s and 50s, if they'll actually say, What's well, this big deal about this Y2K thing, you know? <laughs> You're right. Years from now. Can you, can you believe they were worried about that? We're talking about Office Space, 1999 film, uh, about the travails of working in a cubicle that indeed has uh, met and sustained all of the roles for a perfect movie. It certainly does create the world, does a nice job of setting the scene for the sort of office vibe. I love that little woman that's chirping in the background. You don't know what in the world that noise is, but it's the woman answering the phone. I can't remember what she's saying, but... Yeah. Just a moment, please. Just a moment, please. Oddly, the world that it creates is a world that people are in a lot. And <laughs> sometimes it reminds me of Groundhog Day, you know, because uh, of the cubicles, you know. And if you look at this movie, one of the cinematic values of this movie is the infinite, infinite cubicles that you see in the infinite rows of lights that just go on and on. It looks like a Gordon Willis photography, you know, from the 60s and 70s. And uh, these just it's just like shoveling coal in hell at times for these guys and you know maybe if this was made 30 years ago it would have been a manufacturing element maybe they were on a assembly line but this is the way things are now there's it's a service element and well, so many people were affected by the tone of this picture when i when i went over to get it from best buy the girl goes oh office space i love <laughs> it is you know simply because i was never in that office environment it amazes me how people are attracted to it instantly well, and I, I don't know if this, this might be sacrilegious to say, but I, I kind of think of comparing this somewhat to the apartment. Yeah, you sort know, of because the, the of all the rows and rows of desks yeah, that you see. Yeah, the depiction of the office in, in the apartment, you know, this sort of mindless That was desk. a Billy Wilder film with Jack Lemmon. Um, and in, Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. And it's and pretty much McMurray. the drudgery of... All, yeah, and at the end, you know, Frank, Frank McMurray, it's on our list. We'll, we'll get around to it one all of these right. days. And Fred McMurray says, you just threw that big fat job in my face and walked away. It was a little different in this movie. I mean, they try to walk away, and they can't get away. Right. Until our buddy Stephen Root frees them. And it's crazy, and it's such a great comment on sort of how, uh, I think Jay taught it, a quote that you say to me, the people rise to one level beyond their competency or something. Peter's you know? principle. That's the, the Peter principle, yeah. <laughs> and they stay <laughs> And there. they stay there because they can't go beyond that. They can't they put them back down. They keep getting promoted, so, oh, you're doing a good job, so we'll promote you again. But then finally there's a point where they can't really do the job. And here, he, uh, the main character, the lead guy, uh, the Peter Gibbon character, is it Gibbons or Gibbon, who's... Uh, who gets promoted ultimately because he just basically quits showing up for work and talks about how, you know what, I come in, I play solitaire, I just sort of zone out for a while, and then truth is I got too many bosses, and the fact is I'm not, um, there's nothing, no motivation here. If I work hard, there's no reward for me, so why bother? But and the guys see this as some sort of maverick visionary. But the and two time and efficiency guys figure out how to use all that research and development, how to streamline their operation and eliminate even more people. Eliminate overhead. So they, they basically fire his two friends, offer him a promotion and a, and a raise, and uh, and it's, a, it's sort of like tragically plays out over and over again, sort of this notion of encompassing being uh, rewarded. So Office Space, certainly a perfect movie, uh, creates the world, sustains it. And I have to point out the, the scene where they're um, – uh, both Samir and Michael Bolton, which again we could go into the hilarious uh, sort of sub uh, sub interplay about the Michael Bolton part, but they um, are so frustrated because the machinery even of the office is 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 by this certain fax machine. <laughs> yeah, and they really turn that into a pagan idol and just 
just beat it to springs and screws. <laughs> to and, this great Yeah, music. they even pull the guy back because he's, he's still not finished with it, you know? <laughs> so Easy on the like machine, will you? Great rap song going on. And by the way, um, just by the way, we actually talked about it before going in, and we I, I meant to say it earlier, um, not a film for children, a good bit of uh, profanity. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was actually kind of surprised. I when I watched it again, I I had forgotten there was so much. It's like, oh yeah, right, very very. Strangely enough, strangely enough, it doesn't really seem that gratuitous, even though no. a considerable amount. That's why you kind of forgot it. You know, I mean, it really definitely sort of <laughs> is what you might find in that these environment. Are really, well, these are really frustrated people. You can see <laughs> yeah. they're, they're they're on the treadmill to oblivion. You know, <laughs> if you watch if you watch movies that were made twenty years. When they say things like, uh, you know, what if I'm doing this when I'm 50? They, it's obviously that's not cool. But the other guy says it would be, it would be nice to have that kind of job security when mm-hmm. he says that. That's that's a whole new kind of element bringing into this service kind of world where uh, 20 and 30 years ago they had jobs for yeah, 30 there was 40. loyalty. Now, the company loyalty was rewarded. Now everything now. is very very everything is parody. Everything is. Everywhere you look, everything is turned into the same. The carpet, uh, these cubicles, uh, everything looks very, very the same. They're even kind of dressed very similar in this movie. Uh, I I think the the cover for the box work is another classic where they have the post-it notes all stuck over that guy. He has a whole suit made of post-it notes. Yep. We're talking about Office Space on Filmically Perfect here on 91.3 WYSO, a film out in 1999. And Mike Judge uh, directed and wrote this, right, based yeah, on his cartoon. I wanted to mention him real quick because that's one of the things that really amazed me about this because he's, he was so well, he's so well known for his, the creation of Beavis and Butthead, which I never really liked that much. So I had friends that could not George. get enough of it. It, it really, I mean, no, that actually kept me from seeing this movie for a while. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure, you know, this guy yep. has nothing to offer. Uh, I'm with George I, all the way on that. I, I, well, I, I never had cable, so I only heard about it, so I yeah. didn't know. But this, you know, this one, and actually, I mean, he also is a creator of King of the Hill, which is a really delightful uh, animated series. Fantastic. We have we have spoke of great writers on this movie, like William Goldman and Charlie Brackett and I A L Diamond, and that's how you say the yeah I L Diamond. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know, this movie here is a really supremely. Just very nicely written movie. It's very pertinent and it's right on the head of. That's why I'm. I think to this, although it's one of the later movies on our list, which we very rarely ever get anything within ten years on the list because it's got to earn its keep. If you watch commercials nowadays on television, they all look like this movie. Anything that has an office has that terrible looking fluorescent blue collar. Mm. That's right. They kind of pioneered. In well, this and I, I just kind of wonder now if if this movie with the success of this movie allowing a show like The Office, which I know is based on a British sitcom, becoming so popular. Ricky Gervais, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah it, it again is, is somewhat along the same lines of sort of the, the nebulousness and the sort of the idiocy that surrounds office politics. Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that they're connected. But but who knows? It would be lovely to ask uh, Ricky Gervais that question. But certainly this this... This theme resonates and has resonated and probably will continue to resonate as long as there are that kind of job where you have sort of a very rote number of tasks uh, to complete and no and they're all, real... It's mostly service and support. It's, it's not manufacturing. It's, it's, it's very much entities you can't put your hands on. It's uh, moving decimal points as they're talking about in this picture. Right. Um, so as far as rule number three goes, also it, it, it is worth noting that <clears throat> I have friends who can virtually quote this 
movie Boy, that's from for sure, man. start Woo-hoo. to finish verbatim. So, so many quotes. Now, me, and now I can do that with Raisin Arizona, but uh, this movie, um, I will have to see a few more times when I'm thinking that I might just do it. I'm telling you, it is. Um, I wonder how many people, when they shuffle the candy money at work, think about this movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that nickel back, I promise. I'm just making change here, folks. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> but, and also for the really diehard Office Space fans, I don't know if it's still available, but for a while they, office, they had an Office Space kit that came with an Inatech mug and the stapler. I was going to say, please say the stapler. And, and the TF, TPS cover sheets and several other little bits of ephemera from the movie. I almost got one one time. I okay, got. we would like to hear from the biggest Office Space fan. If you'd like to contact us, by the way, please do uh, via email at the film. No, no, it's not the film guys, although I think you guys should make it the film guys, but it's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Again, that's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. We would love to hear from the biggest Office yes, Space give fan. Us, give us your favorite Office Space moment. Yeah. Favorite line or keep it clean. <laughs> yes, please keep it clean. Yeah, that's right. Don't put any of the blue words in there. So um, I, I, I fully agree, gentlemen. I had seen the movie some years ago and watched it again. And it's pretty hard to watch this movie and not kind of get hooked and start chuckling when you're watching it because it is really funny. <laughs> and it got so dangerously close to the real thing. Oh, uh, yes. It does, and everybody I think was quite well cast. Everyone from the lead, who um, the uh, uh, the uh, Ron Livingston uh, actor cast as the Peter Gibbons, who's sort of this like amazingly calm, even keeled. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, to the Michael Bolton, Samir, Jennifer Aniston's Joanna, just absolutely well done. I have to uh, have to say I agree one hundred percent. Gentlemen, we are coming up. On the end of time, that is for us anyway. So again, if you'd like to drop us a line, please do. Film guys at perfectmovie.net. You can catch uh, archived editions of the show at perfectmovie.net or at npr.org. We're on the iTunes store. We're also right on the website at wyso.org. J. Todd Anderson, storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and a friend to all the big stars, and I'm proud to call you a friend of mine. Thank you for being here today. My pleasure, Nikki Dakota. George Willeman via video phone thank you so much for taking this time to join us and uh, help us a little further along along the perfect movie trail george thank you yeah it really is it's that uh, movie you know it is <laughs> we'll meet you back here next time down <laughs> I want my hey it's you okay, know we got an anniversary coming up why don't you uh, let us know what your favorite movie was that we did in the last year you know send us a let us know on that let us know about that and also watch the website because I think we're going to have a special event coming up I ain't going to say what but watch the website if you will perfectmovie.net and wyso.org again gentlemen thank you Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.